Hey, good morning. Thank you. Thank you. You guys were a big part of it. You allowed me time to actually study. Rod was a huge part of it. He was my pastoral mentor and put my feet to the fire a few times, but it was all good. We went for motorbike rides after, so it was all good. I'm glad Eric mentioned it was my master's of divinity and not my grade 12, but that's okay. School was never my strong point. Uh, But good morning. My name's Gary, as you already know, and we're continuing on our series that we kicked off last week at the Port Theatre called You Are Here, and the whole premise of it was around the deep thought that I had that you are here, that we're all here, but the underlying story was that we all have a story, events in our lives that took place that have led us to be here this morning. And we used the the metaphor of a drive, you know, what did it take for you to get here even this morning? How many left turns and right turns did you have to make? How many on-ramps and off-ramps did you take? Did the road that you normally take, was it blocked and did you have to take a detour? How many potholes did you try to avoid? And how we ended up here. And some of us ended up here by ignoring the pleas of our family and our friends to stop. You know, don't do that. Slow down. We just took life too fast, and we ended up running a red light or taking a corner too fast, and now we're here. Some of us were just merrily going through life, and someone else slammed into us, sent our life into a tailspin, and now you're here. That's kind of how I ended up here. Life was good. Things were going well, and then suddenly they weren't. Now, having been a fisherman most of my life, I couldn't help but equate my story, my, the events that happened in my life, more to that of a shipwreck than a car wreck. But through the same, nonetheless, the results it left me confused, hurt, dazed, trying to figure out what happened, what was next. And there's a story in the Bible that I came across that I just saw so many parallels in my life, in my life story the events that happened during that time in my life. And as I read through it, I I just couldn't help but think that, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I bet you can relate to this story on some level. Uh, So I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, This story is written by a guy named Luke. Uh, It's found in the New Testament, a book called Acts. And it's such a great story. High adventure on the seas, Uh, Luke was a close follower of Jesus, and he records this story as he's traveling by boat to Rome with a guy named Paul and a bunch of other prisoners. Paul, who we talk about a lot around here, who ended up writing almost half of the New Testament, he's been arrested for raising a, you know, ruffling a bunch of feathers in the Roman government, and now he's got a court date with Caesar, and so they're on the way to, to Rome, and Luke records this this series of adventures that they're going to go on. And it's much like, I don't know if you've ever seen The Deadliest Catch, you know, that show that's on TV, Discovery, about the crab fishermen plying their trade in the Bering Sea and all the adventures they have. That's all made possible by the cameramen that are on those boats. Well, Luke is like a cameraman, except he doesn't have a camera. He just writes it down. But that's okay because, like they say, the book is always better than the movie, right? Here's what Luke writes. Listen to this. He says, Out to sea again, we sailed north under the protection of the north shore of Cyprus because the winds out of of the west were against us. And then along the coast westward to the port of Myra. 
Then there the centurion, he's the guy that was kind of in charge of all the guards and the prisoners that were on this ship, found an Egyptian ship headed for Italy and transferred us on board. We ran into bad weather and found it impossible to stay on course. And after much difficulty, we finally made it to the southern coast of the island of Crete and docked at Good Harbor. And what a great name for a harbor. I've been in a few storms. If you've ever been caught out in a boat and you're looking for shelter, it doesn't matter what that harbor has or doesn't have, it's a good harbor when you get in there. And that's where they ended up, in a place called Good Harbor. By this time, Luke writes, we had lost a lot of time. So they're under stress. They're starting to freak out. We had passed the autumn equinox. So it would be stormy weather through the winter, too dangerous for sailing, kind of like now. We're just starting to enter into storm season. So Paul warned, I see only disaster ahead for the cargo and ship. Not to say anything of our lives, if we put out to sea now. I can't even begin to count how many times my mom and dad said those words to me. I see nothing but disaster ahead. Stop. Don't hang out with that crowd. Don't do this. Don't go there. Trust me. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. But it was not the best harbor, Luke continues, for staying the winter. Phoenix, a few miles further on, was more suitable. The centurions set Paul's warning aside, just ignored it, kind of like I did with my mom and dad, and let the ship captain and the ship owner talk him into trying for the next harbor. Ever done that? Ever had friends that talked you into something? And they say things like, what could possibly go wrong? Lighten up, live a little. What's the worst that could happen? Anybody? I hear a few chuckles, so I think I'm not the only one in this room. And then Luke writes this. I love this. When a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it would be good smooth sailing. I read that. And I can't help but think of how many of my shipwreck stories start the same way. Thinking it would be smooth sailing. Despite the warnings and advice to stay put, to be patient, to not start the business, don't make the investment, don't date her or him, don't hang around those people, we forge ahead anyway. Convinced that we've got everything all planned and figured out. When the gentle breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it would be smooth sailing. But, but, have you ever noticed when people are telling a story about a really good plan, a really good idea, and they use the word but in the middle of it, it usually means it's not going to end well. Uh, The investment, it was guaranteed. The guy told me it was guaranteed, but then... I thought I had enough gas to get me there, and I left. But then, I only had a couple of drinks. I thought it was okay to drive. But, it was a surefire business plan. But, but they were no sooner out to sea than a gale force wind, the infamous nor'easter, struck. And they lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. Luke writes, we came under the lee of the small island named Clauda and managed to get a lifeboat ready and reef the sails. But rocky shoals prevented us from getting close. 
We only managed to avoid them by throwing out drift anchors, which were just like giant bags that they would throw out the back of the ship, and it would collect all the water and just slow them down. Next day, out to the high seas again, and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. So all the stuff that they were going to make money with is now going overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we had seen either sun or stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully. And we lost all sense of hope. No sun and no stars. This isn't just a description of how dark it was and the lack of visibility. What Luke is saying is they had lost all their navigational aid. They didn't have GPS or Google Maps back then. All their sailing was done by dead reckoning with the stars and the planets and the sun. And they couldn't see it. They were lost. So they lost hope. You ever felt like that? You ever been in the middle of something and you can't see a way out? Life is just battering you unmercifully. Everything you try just seems to make things worse or make no difference at all. You don't know the way up. You don't know the way down or the way out. And so you just resign yourself to the fact that this is the way life is going to be. I guess this is the way my marriage is going to be. I guess this is how my financial picture is going to be. I guess this this is how I'm going to be treated. I guess there's no hope. With our appetite for both food and life long gone, Paul took his place in our midst and said, Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have avoided all this trouble and trial. Nice guy. In the middle of all this chaos and hopelessness, Paul delivers what has to be the ultimate in I told you so speeches ever given. You know, I told you back in Crete. You know, just think of the conversations you've had. I told you not to hang around that person. I told you not to date her or him. I told you not to make that investment. I told you. Before the crew gets indignant, Paul quickly says, but there's no need to dwell on that now. What he's saying is, the past is the past. You can't change it. What are you going to do from here forward? He says, from now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there will not be a single drowning among us. Although I can't say as much for the ship. The ship itself is doomed. Last night, God's angel stood at my side, an angel of this God I serve, saying to me, don't give up. Don't give up, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar yet, and everyone sailing with you is going to make it. So, dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me. But we're going to shipwreck on some island or other. Talk about an emotional roller coaster. We're all going to make it. Yay! But the ship is doomed. Boo! We're going to end up on land. Yay! But I have no idea where. Boo! Don't lose hope. I know things look grim, and I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. Don't miss these words. God is with me, and he's with you, is what he's saying. I can trust him, and you can trust him. He's going to get us through this, so take heart and hang on. On the 14th night, 
adrift somewhere in the Adriatic Sea at about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land, sounding the measured depth of 120 feet and shortly after 90 feet. Afraid that they were about to run aground, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. In other words, they were hanging on, literally hanging on till daylight. With dawn about to break, Paul called everyone together. Love this guy. <laughs> Gives the ultimate, I told you so, speech. And then, we're going to be saved, but I don't know how. And now he says, let's have breakfast. This is the 14th day we've gone without food. None of us has felt like eating. But I urge you to eat. Eat something now. You're going to need the strength for the rescue ahead. You're going to come out of this without even a scratch. And he broke the bread, gave thanks to God, passed it around, and they all ate heartily. And with the meal finished and everyone full, the ship was further lightened by dumping the grain overboard. At daybreak, no one recognized the land, but then they did notice a nice beach. And they decided to run the ship up on the beach. And so they cut the anchors, loosed the tiller, raised the sail, and ran before the wind toward the beach. That is a picture of being fully committed to what's happening next. There is no going back at all. But, there's that word again, we didn't make it. Still far from shore, we hit a reef and the ship began to break up. The soldiers decided to kill the prisoners so none could escape by swimming. The reason they would have done that is as a Roman guard, the prisoner you were in charge of, if they escaped, your life would be taken in lieu of theirs. And they thought, better him than me. But the centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them. And he gave orders for everyone who could swim to dive in and go for it. And for the rest to grab a plank. Everyone made it to shore safely. Just like God said. No ship, but you're on shore. Once everyone was accounted for and we realized we had all made it, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Eleven years ago, I wandered into this church community. Uh, this, and this place is my beach. I was at a place in my life where things had suddenly gone sideways. One minute, things were going great. It was smooth sailing. But in what seemed in a blink of an eye, I found myself hanging on for dear life. My faith, I was questioning my faith. I was questioning God. I couldn't make sense of anything. Like the guys in the ship, I couldn't eat. Didn't want to eat. And I really felt like I was adrift in a sea of hopelessness. And then one day, at the urging of my wife, we drifted in here. This place was my Malta. And it's interesting... Malta means place of refuge. The meeting place was my Malta. It was my refuge. And my experience was much like those guys who washed up on the beach that day. As Luke recorded it, he said, we spent a wonderful three months on Malta. They treated us royally, took care of all our needs, and outfitted us for the rest of the journey. When I first arrived here, that's all I could do was to come in, grab a seat, listen to the music, listen to the message, and leave. But that's what this place is about. 
providing a safe place, a refuge where people can come and hear about the hope that is available through a relationship in Jesus Christ. And then provide them with what they need to continue to grow on their journey with God. But like any journey, it starts with a step. Is that the mall in Vancouver? This is a little while ago. Metro Town, have you ever been there? It shouldn't be allowed. It's too big. Uh, I was looking for a store, and I kind of had an idea. I knew where it was. And so I headed into the mall. Being a guy, I don't need directions. I know where I'm going. And after scurrying around like a rat in a, in a lab maze for about an hour, I just gave up. I was just like, I, I don't know where this store is. And I went to one of those kiosks that they have right by the entrances and it's got the map and then it's got a little bubble and it says you are here and so i found out where i was which wasn't where i thought i was and then i looked at the directory and found the store that i was looking for you ever done that tried to find that store and you find it and it's like okay i got to go down this hall turn right go up the escalator top of the escalator turn left go down the hall it's third door third store on the right here's the thing. When I stood there and I found where that store was, I had to actually take a step to get there. Because if I didn't, nothing would change. I would know where I am and that would be it. A journey, any journey begins with a single step. I was talking with a buddy of mine uh, who's in recovery. Uh, I was just kind of running this message by him just to, you know, it's, he wasn't going to be here, and he, so I just thought I'd run it by him. And he said to me, he said, you know what? He said, I've been in, in recovery for a while, and he says, you have to work the steps in order for the steps to work. He says, you can attend AA for years if you like. You can hear stories of sobriety. But unless you take action and work the steps, nothing will change. And then he shared with me this story about three frogs that are sitting on a log. And he said to me, he said, there's three frogs sitting on a log, and one decides to jump off. How many frogs are left on the log? And if you've been around here for a while, you know in school I got a no in math. Like it was below an F. They just said, don't take math. Like, no, don't take math. But this is pretty simple math. And so I said, two. And he said, no. (laughs) He said, three. The frog decided... It hadn't actually jumped. What was missing, he said, was the action. William Starbuck is a professor from the University of Oregon. He describes the relationship between decision and action this way. And I love the way he puts it. He says, a decision implies the end of deliberation and the beginning of action. Maybe you're here and you've just come here and like... I was 11 years ago. You're just catching your breath. You're trying to get your bearings. You're trying to figure things out. And if that describes you, we are glad that you are here because you've come to the right place. And I hope that you are feeling like you're being treated like royalty, that we're meeting your needs, and that this is a safe place for you to hang out for a while. But maybe you've been here for a while, Three months, six months, five years. And you're thinking, 
I want something more, but I, 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 I know what it is, but I don't know how to get there. I encourage you to just to, to take a step. And maybe that step is exploring, like we un, unveiled last week, one of the courses that are coming up in October. There's info in your program. It gives you a quick snapshot of what each course is about. But there's going to be some, there's some tables set up in the lobby where there's going to be people that are more than willing to ask your, answer any questions that you have. You can sign, begin registering today for the courses at themeetingplace.org slash sign up. We have childcare provided. We'll have coffee, tea, muffins. And I'd encourage you to just sign up, try it. Try one of those courses for eight weeks and see what happens. One of the courses we're offering is Alpha. And if you're here for the first time, you're just checking out higher power and what that all means. Is there a God? Why am I here? What's my purpose? This is a great course for that. It provides and creates a safe place where you can come and ask those questions, hear some of the answers. And here's the thing. It's a great course to attend by yourself. It's even better if you bring a friend. So invite a friend to go with you and journey for eight weeks together. Next Sunday after the service, we're going to have some information sessions for each of the courses that will run anywhere from 10 minutes to 25 minutes, somewhere in there, just to give you some more information to really help you make that decision say, yeah, this is the course I want to take for the next eight weeks. And then we're going to repeat these again. So if you didn't do this one this time, you could do it next time. I want to close with some words from a theologian and pastor named Eugene Peterson. He gave us the message version of the Bible, which is what I read from today. Uh, He writes this about following Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, The way of Jesus requires an active participation as he leads us through sometimes strange and unfamiliar territory in circumstances that become clear only in the hesitations and the questionings in the pauses and the reflections where we engage in prayerful conversation with one another and with him. Aren't those beautiful words? We're really glad that you are here. And we really hope that you plug into one of the opportunities that we have available to you out in the lobby. Go out, check them out. If you have any questions, we're all here. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're really looking forward to what's going to happen starting October 14th. Uh, So before we get into some music, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. God, we just thank you that we're on a journey. This isn't a one-and-done thing. Uh, You don't expect us to take giant leaps, just just little steps. And those steps look different for all of us. Uh, We're all at different places, uh, but we're all traveling together. And those that are ahead can reach behind and help those that are coming up behind and so on and so forth. And we can just keep that line going. And we thank you that you're walking with us, that you are here with us. Be with those that are maybe here right now. They just drifted in here this morning. And they're trying to figure things out. Life is just unmercifully battering them. Just give them that sense of peace that can only come from you. Thank you for loving us. And we really look forward to seeing how you're going to show up at this church and in these people. And we pray this in your awesome name. Amen.